So have you ever thought to yourself, you know, is my, does my life matter? Am I, you know, is there, is there a significance to my life? Do, you know, do I really have a reason that I'm here or am I just kind of, you know, a blob on earth and nobody really cares or nobody, nobody, nobody would miss me if I was gone? Have you ever, ever had any thought like that run through your brain? If the answer is yes, raise your hand for me. And the, you got some of you are lying through your teeth because um, I think at some point in our lives, 99% of us have that question in some way, shape, or form. And it's okay. Uh, it's okay if you didn't admit it. We'll, we'll forgive you. You can, you can still be part of Ignite Church. Um, but I want to bring out something that's kind of interesting about that. We, we might feel that way sometimes, like, am I, am I significant? Do I matter? Do I have a reason for being here? And while at the very moment we are thinking that, we are snapping a photo of our lunch to, to Instagram everybody because they all care what we had to eat today. And, at, and then at, while we're thinking, am I significant? I'm not sure if I really have a place in this world. We're, giving, we're typing our opinion on a comment, on a post on Facebook for everybody to see because they need to know what we think about that. And then um, while we're thinking, man, does my life really matter? We're, we're, we're putting on Snapchat these photos of ourselves working out at the gym. Like, I, I can't do the woman thing, but y'all know how the women stand? They, you know, they do that. And it, y'all know it. Y'all know I it think to be. you did it really well, brother. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we do that, and we think that everybody wants to see those things. Why? Well, because we feel like something that we have to say or do or offer or what we're doing is significant in some way, shape, or form. Now, I would have to argue that most of those things I mentioned really aren't all that significant in the scheme of life. There are things about you, and as a matter of fact, your life is significant, and we think, we think we've got it. We think we know why. We think we know why we can do those at the same time, because there's something in us that even though we question whether or not we even matter sometimes, there's something in us that says you're significant and you have a purpose and, and, and you want to fulfill it, you want to see it happen. Well, we want to take a look at where we come up with why we think this is, is the case. And it's, it's something that we find written in the Bible in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Here we go. This is talk, referring to God. Number one, we think that God made us all matter, and he made us all to be significant. And here's something that, uh, that, that we read. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. And let me tell you, give you the, today's maybe definition of the, the phrase eternity in their hearts and minds, okay? A sense of purpose and significance God puts in every life which only he can fulfill. This, that's that sense of eternity in, in men's hearts and minds. Like there, there's something that matters here. There's something that's gonna go on and, and God places that in your heart. That's why, even though you don't realize it, that's why you think sometimes people need your opinion or they need to know this and they might, need to, need to, might not need to know those things that are minor but there is something very special about you that you do have to offer and you do make a difference and that does belong 
in the world. And over during this series, we're going to talk about, for a few weeks, seeds of significance, things that, that God places in our lives, to, that, that seeds he plants in our lives that the, so that they'll grow and make our lives even more and more significant as we go. Now, last week, we actually snuck something in on you. If you were here last week, you actually heard the beginning of this series. We just didn't tell you that's what it was. We started last week talking about David and Goliath. This guy, David, who, you know, he went, we went through the whole story of David and Goliath and how God gave him confidence to, to move forward, to do what it is that needed to be done. Well, we're going to continue that today, and we're going to look at another seed of significance. We're going to talk about one of the major challenges that this guy, David, who was probably in his 20s at this, at this point in time, some of the, one of the major challenges he faced and what God was doing with it. So here's the context. As Chad said, David killed Goliath. Well, after he did that, the Israeli army routed the whole Philistine army. And so it was a big, big victory, okay? So they're all going back to Jerusalem to celebrate this big victory. So you have David, the hero, Saul, the king of the army, or king of Israel, and the army of Israel, and they're going back into Jerusalem, and it's a victory parade. I mean, it is a big, big deal. And so they're coming into to Jerusalem, and a bunch of women come out to meet them and celebrate with them the victory God had given them. Let's see what happens in this victory celebration. They, the women, sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Isn't Saul pathetic? I mean, really? They sang about David's ten thousands and I only got thousands. I mean, the man is just pathetic. He's the king. There is no reason he should be threatened. He should be cheering David on and say, yeah, David, go kill some more 10,000s. But no, he's so insecure that he's jealous. And from this point forward, there's a problem with Saul and David. It gets worse and worse and worse. It even gets so bad that Saul becomes so jealous of David that he tries to get him killed. And so he thinks, I know, I'll have David lead some battles. I'll say, David, go out there and attack these guys here and there hoping David will, would get killed. Well, unfortunately for Saul, David won every battle, and the, the soldiers just loved him, and so it got even worse. He got even more famous. Then Saul says, that's it. I'm going to try to kill him directly. And more than one occasion, he threw a spear at David in the palace to try to kill him. And so it gets really, really bad and so intense to the point that David has to run away. He has to run away to the mountains and hide in a cave miles away from Jerusalem, the capital city. And so now he's sitting in that cave, and he's all alone. And I, and I want you to try to imagine yourself there. Imagine that as a young man, you've been told you're going to be king someday by the great prophet Samuel. You're going to be king. And then God uses you to win this mighty victory over Goliath. And then God uses you to lead Israel into a lot of victories as their commander. And now you're alone in a cave. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, as always, God knew what he was doing. God knew 
that he had something really amazing in store for David, and he wanted to prepare him for it. These things he had for David were so big. The opportunities were so great. The privileges he wanted David to have were so great that David needed to be a man of really strong, godly character to be able to handle it. So character, that's today's seed of significance. So let's look at some facts about character today, specifically about godly character. The first thing is this, character is who you really are. It's who you truly are. Character is the real you. It's who you truly are. God-developed character makes you be the best you possible. You you might have heard self-help books or some uh, people trying to make you feel, you know, good about yourself, saying, you know, you want to be the best version of yourself, and you want to be the best you ever. Well, those are good things. Well, the way you do that is one or one of the ways that you make that happen is you let God develop character in you. That helps develop the best you possible. God wants to develop godly character in you. Now, if you're following along and you're paying close attention, you're about to catch that, oh, wait a minute, but David was having godly character developed in him, and things didn't always turn out the way he wanted them to. Well, that's true. That happens in life, but what happens is when... The, the result of good character, it's doing what's right just because it's right. You, you end up, when you have godly character, there are some results in your life. And, and by the way, in case you're trying to still grasp what exactly character is, it's, um, it's what you do in the dark when nobody's watching. When, when it doesn't seem to matter and nobody's going to know, do you go with what's the right thing or not? That's where you really find out. And another place you really find out, of course, is when you're squeezed. See, good character is essential. It's an essential part of leading and living a significant life. And one of the ways you're going to find out what your character is is you're going to get put under pressure. David was put under pressure in this cave he's hiding in. Is there anybody in here that's ever been put under pressure? We've all... They're we've still all, lying. They're I know, still lying. I know. But we've all been put, because they, they don't want us to call them out. But That's really. Right. That's right. I've been put under pressure. Ed's been put under pressure. Diane and I bought an Instant Pot fairly recently, and we put meat under pressure all the time. <laughs> and what happens with this meat you put in this and you put it under pressure, it gets more tender. The, the, the flavor, like, goes through the meat. Um, it's, it's really, really nice. Now, I don't think the meat is enjoying the process. But the result of it is really good. Now, you find out who you are. You find out what your character is when you get squeezed. You know, well, what happens when somebody squeezes you? What comes out is your character. Now, uh, we want to look at here another story that goes along. It's well, same, some part of the same story with David in this cave. We're just calling it character in the cave. And David actually writes He actually writes about his experience in this cave while he's running and hiding from Saul, a guy that was supposed to be for him but is trying to kill him instead. He writes about what's happening. And so we're going to pick that up here in Psalm 142. Here are some things uh, that 
David wrote, and it's just some facts about character we can, we can apply and we can take a look at in our lives. God, I'm crying out to you. I lift up my voice boldly to beg for your mercy. I spill out my heart to you and tell you all my troubles. David is, you know, again, he finds himself in this cave. He's under pressure, and he just gets honest with God. God, things are falling apart. Think, think, I, this is not going the way it's supposed to. Here's all my troubles. He gets really, really open and honest about everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly in his life with God as he's put under this pressure. Well, I want you to know that the seed of godly character is being developed in David as he does this, as he just says, God, here it is. Here's the truth about me. Maybe, maybe even some of the things he's been hiding from himself or, you know, if we could put ourselves in the place, maybe we hide things from ourselves that we don't admit, it, especially in a cave and under pressure. It's time to admit those things to God. Well, David did this. Then he goes on. For when I was desperate, overwhelmed, and about to give up, I'm, I, man, have I been there, you were the only one there to help. You gave me a way of escape from, my, from the hidden traps of my enemies. David, David's like, hey, everything's falling apart, God. I'm in this cave all alone. I don't know what to do. Then he's like, you know, but I remember when you did come through for me. I'm still here, I'm still alive, and I remember when things were falling apart before, and you came, you came through for me. You brought me through it. I, everything wasn't perfect the way I imagined, but, but you brought me through it. David's reminding himself that God came through for him in the past. This is a seed of godly character being developed in David. Same thing can happen for us. He keeps going. I look to my left and my right to see if there's anyone who will help, but there's no one who takes notice of me. God, nobody cares. Does my life even matter? Is there anybody here for me? I have no hope of escape, and no one cares whether I live or die. Now, that's a pretty tough spot. God, here's all my troubles. God, I know you've helped me before, and, and I think that's how... That's how I have any hope at all. But God, there's nobody here to help me. I'm it. I'm alone. No one cares that Saul's trying to kill me. No one cares what's going on in my life. They're too busy in their own lives. Well, David realized that people weren't going to fight his battles for him. He realized that there, there were some things he had to face himself. Well, here... The seed of godly character is being developed in David when he realizes it's just him and God. That's all he's got. Then he, he, he kind of ends this little section with this. So because of these things, because, God, I've poured out my heart, here's all my problems, here's all my troubles, God, I'm, I'm alone. I know you've helped me before. So I cried out to you, Lord, my only hiding place. God, you're all I have. My only hope in this life, my last chance for help. This is it, God. If, it's, if you don't show up, I'm going to die here in this cave. Please listen to my heart's cry, for I am low and in desperate need of you. Rescue me from all those who persecute me, for I am no match for them. It looks like David is allowing the experience he's going through to cause him to be very humble. If you recall what, David, uh, what Ed was saying, 
David was a pretty, you know, you know, black ops level soldier. I mean, th- this boy knew how to kill people. And he won battles and he led people. I mean, he was a success. And he got, he got very humble and said, God, I got nothing. Everything I've accomplished, everything I've done, none of it matters. I got nothing without, if you're not here. He becomes very humble. Another way that this, this cave experience is helping David is it's, it's developing the seed of godly character in him. So David is in this cave. I, I think you could even say possibly borderline depressed. I mean, that psalm was really strong. So he's there. He's all by himself, and God's dealing in, with him and his character. But God doesn't leave him at that point. Eventually, some people come. Look what happens. Soon, his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. So, yes, he was alone, suffering in that cave. God was doing things. But now God's ready to do something else. And so we want to, before we go on, we want to just talk about while in that cave, what, what are some things that can happen? Okay, what can happen while we're there? Well, first off, when we're in the cave, we can see that when you're alone, you're not really alone. If you have God in your heart, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus, you are never by yourself. Jesus promised, I'll always be with you. He is with you. And I think this may be the first thing God wants us to really get when we're in a cave time in our life that we are not alone. This time in the cave, God was going to use to prepare him, right? And this first thing of him realizing he's never alone was going to help a lot in his future. So when you're alone, you're not really alone. And we can also see that good or godly character affects others as well. So my life impacts other lives. So does yours. You might think I don't make any difference. Nobody ever pays attention. Please hear me. People watch each other and your life does affect other people. And so when these people eventually came to David, his relatives, and then all these discontented people, well, of course, they encouraged him. He's like, ah, oh, somebody does love me. Somebody does care. And then they just kept coming and coming. And probably he started to think, hmm, maybe God's up to something here. Well, because he had been strengthened himself in that cave by just waiting on God, now he could help others. He could affect other people. Eventually... He takes his family to a safe place and says, stay here while King Saul's trying to kill me. I want you to be safe. And then that ragtag bunch of people, those folks who are discontented, in debt, all that stuff, eventually he develops them into a great army, a fighting force that has a lot of success in the future. So our character does affect others. It's sure David's character really affected other people. All right, then here's what happens. One day, the prophet Gad told David, leave the stronghold. That's another term for the caves they were living in. Leave the caves and return to the land of Judah. So David went to the forest of Hereth. And so our last observation here is this. In the cave, we see that good character leads to blessing. Now, David goes on from there, and while he doesn't always get everything right, 
a lot of great things happen, and he becomes one of the great kings of Israel, and it's all because uh, God was with him. God, while, Kate, while, while David was in this cave, God sent this guy named Gad and said, hey, go tell um, David this message. It's time for you to go, time for you to get rolling. And this ended up being a huge blessing at a time when David didn't know what to do, didn't know what, all right, where do I go next? How do I deal with this? Now, if David had left the cave prematurely, if he would have been there for a little bit and, and wallowed in, oh, I don't matter, and nobody's here to help me, and God, I have all these troubles, and you helped me before, but I can't see a way out. And he's like, that's it, I'm out. I'm, I'm moving to the Caribbean. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. If he'd have left, he would have never had the, those 400 men come and join him. He would have never fulfilled the significance and the purpose God had for his life. If he would have left, he would have never, if he'd have left too soon, he wouldn't have heard what God was saying to him through this guy named Gad. He would have just left on his own. We got this. I'm, I've got it all figured out. I can do this all on my own now. And he probably would have failed more. But he waited. And he, he hung out. At a point in our lives, sometimes we find ourselves in this type of spot. For, for instance, um, me, Diana and I, a few years ago, a few years back now, we, we've never been hunted down like somebody was trying to kill us, so you know we're, we're okay there. I've, no, I've never had a bounty on my head that I am aware of. If you're here to kill me today, please, let's get you saved. You need to ask God to forgive you. <laughs> I don't think that's the case, though. But we have been in places, and specifically at one point in our lives where we were, in, in a sense, being hunted down and where someone that we loved and cared about had gotten off track and they turned against us. Maybe you've experienced something like that. And the situation was so bizarre that people we knew and, and people that even you know, cared about us, they didn't have a clue what to do about it. They didn't have an answer for it. No, no one really had an answer. Uh, and trust me, I asked. Um, asked all kinds of people, didn't even know me. I mean, like, hey, I've got to figure this out because we're, we found ourselves in, in the cave. Uh, we found ourselves in a situation much like David in the sense that we felt alone. We felt, um, you know, con confused. We were afraid. We were isolated. Again, there, there were people that cared, but it just, there was no help for this thing. It, we were alone in it. At one point, um, I considered doing what actually David had a chance to do later in life in, while Saul, Saul's hunting him down. It's not this story, but he found himself in another cave at a point where he could have killed Saul, but he didn't do it. That was God had worked on his character at that point. Well, I, I, I found myself at some point wanting to sink, sink low enough to become vicious myself and, and in the stuff that we were experiencing, but luckily we didn't do that. Uh, luckily, God said, no, that's, that's, you know, that's not the right way to go. And instead, though we were hurting and we felt like, I don't know, I don't, do we even, does this even matter? Maybe we should just leave. Maybe we should just be gone. But we stayed. We stayed in the cave and decided, God, what do you have for us? And I remember uh, 
I remember at one point specifically taking seven days. It's not a magic number or anything, but for us, you know, it was just seven days. God, we're going to fast and we're going to pray and say, God, what do we need to do? Where, what? You know, it's like, all right, God, we got nothing. I can't figure this out. I'm, I'm helpless. I've, we were a lot of ways in the spot that David was in, and uh, we were desperate and we were broken. And we just said, God, we need some help. Well, after that, that seven days, we're, we're like, okay, we got it. Stay here and keep moving forward. Okay, that wasn't as exciting as I wanted to hear from you, God, but okay, you know, all right, here we go. And then fast forward a little bit of time later, some more, uh, what I, I consider God's blessing. And looking back, he was developing character in us, but we got more direction, more support. And as a matter of fact, I remember the day when, and where I was, I was in our little, the, the entry to the house we were living in, I was standing there on my way out the door, and, and God said, this is what you do. I remember it just as clear as anything. And you know, the thing that he told me was hard. And I didn't really like it. But I knew that that's, I, I knew it was from God. I, I knew that it was him, him saying something to our heart. This is, this is the way you go. And so we did. And because of that, because God knew what he was doing, today, we, um, is everything perfect in our lives? Sure, no, it's not. But we're in a great place. Um, we, we've experienced God's direction again, his support, some more, more blessing, more significance than we had known previously. We've experienced, David experienced this thing. And so we have a, I have a question for you. Have you ever found yourself in a similar situation? Have you ever found yourself in a cave? You probably have. Because I asked you at the beginning, how many of you have ever felt this way? How many of you have been under pressure? It's the same type of thing. Maybe you're alone or you've been alone, hurting and afraid. If so, we have, we have some advice for you. Let God have his way in your heart. Let God grab hold of your life. Be honest with him like David was. Recognize that you can't, you're not gonna make it out of this on your own uh, and with any, I mean, you might live, but it's not gonna be the significance that God has for you. Recognize that God has something he wants to plant into your life. He wants to develop godly character in you. You wanna be honest and humble about where you are. And remind yourself of the times God's helped you before. This is all great, great stuff that David learned. He, he kind of sums it all up here in, in Psalm 27. He's referring to what has happened in his life, and he says this. Where would I be if I did not believe I would experience the Lord's favor in the land of the living or while I was alive? Where would I be? He answers kind of himself. He's saying, hey, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. He says, hey, I've been in the cave and I was going through all of this stuff, but I reached out to God for his direction and his help. And I just poured it all out and said, God, without you, I got nothing. So let, let, I wanna go with you. We have one uh, simple suggestion for you today concerning the seeds of character or the seed of significance, the, char the character seed that God wants to develop. If you find yourself in a cave today and you're, you're struggling and everything seems to be falling apart, stay in the cave and reach out to God and let him do some work in you while you're under that pressure. 
He wants to bring you out. He wants to develop character. He wants to make your life even more significant than you ever thought it would be. So to have this godly character, we need to be connected to God, to have that relationship with him. And you might be here today, and you've realized, I don't really have a relationship with God. I'm not connected, but I want to be. He's developed faith in your heart, and, and today you can say, yes, I'm, I'm ready. I get that Jesus died for all my mess-ups and mistakes, and, and I get that he wants me to give him my life and have a, a relationship on earth. I'm ready. Well, we want to help you today, and we want to lead you in just a simple prayer in which you can connect to God for the rest of your life starting today. And the way we're going to do that, I'm going to pray like I'm you, and then everybody is going to repeat the prayer as we go through it, okay? So you guys help us out because we all know there's all usually people here that this is their day, okay? So let's pray. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please forgive me for all my mess-ups. Please forgive me for all my mess-ups. Please forgive me for everything I've done wrong. And please forgive me for everything I've done wrong. God, come into my life. God, come into my life. God, become my best friend. Become my best friend. Thank you for forgiving me today. Thank you for forgiving me today. Let me grow in awareness of your presence. Let me grow in awareness of your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that's you, if this was your day, we want to help you and encourage you in this new relationship you now have with God. In front of you in those cards, I mean the pockets, you'll see a card that says, I have decided if you'll fill that out and drop it in one of the blue boxes near our back doors, we'll follow up with you because we really want to encourage you in your new relationship with God. All right, y'all stand. As we're being dismissed today, let me remind you that we always have prayer teams up here to your right and left by the stage. If you need prayer for anything at all, come on up. Let these guys pray for you. Guests. If you have filled out that card, please take it by the guest cart outside so we can get your contact info and give you that gift, okay? And finally, if you gave us some questions on the Q&A cards, leave those on your chair so we can pick them up. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for the story of David and how he stuck it out through tough times. He was willing to be under pressure and be alone in a cave and let you do what you wanted to do in his life. Lord, we know that in this room with this many people, there's people that today, that's them. They are in a cave. They feel alone and abandoned, don't know what to do. God, we pray you'd strengthen them to stay in that cave as long as they're supposed to. Not to take things into their own hands yet, but just to wait and pray and, and listen to you. Lord, encourage them this week that you are with them. They're not really alone and that you're going to speak to them. You're going to guide them just like you did, David, so long ago. Lord, bless these folks, I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.